All right, you guys, welcome back to Austin AF. And once again, it is Katie Austin here, your host, the one, the only, not just kidding. And if you guys are just listening to this right now, I'm actually sitting in a very professional studio. So if you guys are just listening to this on a podcast, make sure to also check out our YouTube channel so you can see me and the beautiful guest face. Today, I am so excited that my friend Victoria Garrick is coming on Austin AF. So this week is all Austin and friends. If you guys don't already know Victoria Garrick, she is so freaking inspiring. She's probably one of those friends that is younger than me. I think she's like four, three or four years younger than me, but I look up to her so freaking much, especially how vulnerable she is online. So today we are talking a lot about body positivity, what it's like to eat intuitively, and also a lot about dating and friendship breakups. We get pretty real. So you're going to want to make sure to stay tuned. She's also a TED Talk speaker. Um, she has done amazing things in her life and grown very fast on TikTok and has her own podcast called Real Pod. So make sure to check that out. Speaking of eating intuitively, which we will talk about here in a sec with Victoria, I just want to say that your girl has been eating and drinking a shit ton lately. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm in that in-between zone of spring and summer where I should be very motivated, but at the same time, I have been drinking a lot of tequila. I have my best friend's birthday coming up too, and (laughs) it's just, the saga continues, so if you are in that same rut as me, do not feel bad about yourself. And I think that's like one of the main things is really enjoying life and not feeling bad about what you eat and what you drink. Of course, we should take care of our bodies, be hydrated and try to drink less alcohol. But at the same time, I have been truly enjoying and living my life. As cliche as that sounds, I feel so, so happy right now. And if that just means I have an extra two, three pounds uh, on me right now from tacos and tequila, I am totally cool with it. So make sure to stay tuned in a few minutes because we're going to be talking right away about intuitive eating and why you should just be listening to your body and kind of on some small note, eat whatever the fuck you want. On that same note of what we're going to get into later in the episode, we are actually going to be talking about friendship breakups. And I wanted to talk about this because I think a lot of people can relate to it as you know, a lot of our listeners here are in their 20s um, or even no matter what age you are. But I think we are in that age where in your 20s, Everyone is at a different stage of their life. What do I mean by that? So I'm 27 years old, and as a 27-year-old, I am not married. I love to drink tequila, as I just freaking talked about it for like two minutes. I love to still get very, very drunk on the weekends, and I live for my Saturday days, how cheesy that sounds and how lame in college of me. But at the same time, there's other people in the world uh, who are also 27 and married with three kids and, you know, have a little bit more of their life together. At the same time, there's other people who are 27 and don't know what the hell they're doing with their career. I feel very blessed that I do know what to do with my career and I have a lot of passions and with business and I know my career path right now. So I think that stems a lot of friendship breakups, to be honest, because everyone's at a different stage in their life where some people are jealous of others or some people are trying starting to like break off because of different interests. So if you feel the same way, you are not alone and I'm not trying to say like a breakup because that doesn't really exist. I mean, Uh, I shouldn't say exist, but friendship, when I say friendship breakup, I mean really just fading out. Um, I think we all go through that naturally after college. So we'll get into that too. And I think Victoria is about to come in any second now. Okay, you guys, Victoria Garrick is here. (laughs) I am so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm 
so honored. And you're one of my favorite humans ever. And in my introduction, I was talking about how inspiring you are. And I literally don't even mean to just gas you up because you are the most inspiring human. Um, and I think everyone should go follow her right now before we <laughs> begin this talk show. But um, Victoria, we have bagels sitting in front of us right now. And I want you to explain. I saw a post of yours mm -hmm. very recently about eating a bagel, being an athlete, and then now not being an athlete and your, you know, your mindset around bagels. Yes. And I just, can I just say one, I'm so excited to be here. I love you. Hi. And I love bagels. So it's literally, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy. I just walked in and you have bagels ready. It's going to be great. Um, yes. So the bagel, obviously I love bagels my whole life. Recently I posted an Instagram because I was having a bagel and I did not work out that morning. And obviously you can eat whatever you want. I believe you should eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't have to earn it with a workout, but I definitely had that hesitant thought of like, oh, <gasps> I didn't work out this morning. Can I eat the bagel? And it's just because, you know, diet culture, all that stuff has just been ingrained in our heads and our yes. minds. And, you know, both being competitive athletes, I have just kind of felt like my workouts always affected what I chose to eat. And I have since really grown from that mindset and I will allow myself to eat whatever I'm craving regardless of a workout. But I just posted this little reminder with my bagel in the morning just saying, reminder, you can eat a bagel you can eat a bagel for breakfast even if you didn't work out. So I love that so much because as an athlete um, in college, what I would do is eat potatoes for breakfast, <laughs> pasta for lunch, and then bread and rice for dinner. And you're supposed to like carb load or whatever. Right. And then there were so many different like reasons I moved on from my sport, obviously. But at the same time, one of the huge things that I struggled with was moving on from my sport mm -hmm. and not being able to, in quotes, eat the things I used to eat mm -hmm. because I wasn't an athlete anymore. So that like really hit home. Yeah. And honestly, just thinking about the specifics, like our appetites just change. And so I've noticed that I'm just not as hungry when I'm not training for three to four oh, hours a sure. day. And it's sad because I want to be hungry and eat a lot of food, but when I'm really in touch with my body and what, and I'm listening to myself, you know, I've just noticed that I don't have the appetite I did when I was an athlete. Um, but some days when I'm like, we're going to an amazing restaurant and I'm like, I really want to have a huge appetite. I will, working out always sparks that hunger for me. But I think in general, I really have gotten to a point now where I'm not rewarding myself from a workout yes. or villainizing food and hiding it because yes. I didn't work out. Okay. So you talk about intuitive eating all the time and this is intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. And I get the question, what is intuitive eating? Cause I talk about that too. And I always say, <laughs> Ask Victoria. Everyone <laughs> should follow Victoria because you explain it so well and you're explaining yeah. it right now and that's exactly what it is. But if you had to explain it a little further, what exactly is intuitive eating, what would you say? Right. So I'll give you the definition. First, I want to just paint the scene of where most of us are at with food and how we approach it is we have a lot of thoughts, things we've read in magazines. You're supposed to eat at this time, this time, this time. Go six small meals a day. Go three big meals a day. Stop eating after seven. Stop eating after eight. Like we get all these rules. And what those rules do is take us farther and farther away from just listening to our natural intuition of like, am I hungry right now? Yeah. And, and if I'm hungry, what is going to make me feel good? Yeah. And so intuitive eating is a eating practice that involves rational thought, satisfaction, and emotion when you make a decision about how you're going to fuel. And, you know, I think mindful eating is another term for it, but 
Um, intuitive eating is fabulous. And yes, I know a lot about it from my experience, but the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Tribble and Elise Resch, I want to shout that out. Check that book out because it's an amazing read. I would love to read that because I get a lot of backlash about intuitive eating because in the diet culture and the fitness industry as like a quote fitness influencer, people have the, you know, the, the idea that intuitive eating is eating whatever you want and you'll never lose weight if you right. do that. So there's also a negative aspect to it. So if you had to kind of combat that, what would you say? Well, this idea that we're going to just eat everything we want isn't really intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is when you're approaching food in a way that you want it to satisfy you and make you feel good. And when we really hone in on that key, are you going to eat five boxes of pizza? No, no. because it's not going to feel good. You're going to feel sick to your stomach. I've done that when I was binging, you know? So intuitive eating is actually what's going to make me feel good. And especially as an athlete, I was like, I have a game. So what food energizes me? What is going to make me you know, feel like I can run and jump and last for a two hour game. And when you think about that, and that really is intuitive eating, you know, you're not lifting up the gates to just eat all this stuff. And I think that when people talk about that, it really is just, it's not a correct portrayal. And I even have yeah. like my dad, like, cause I'm an intuitive eater. My dad will be like, Vic, I'm intuitive eating because he's like, anytime he eats cake. Right. And I'm like, that's, right. that's, that's emotional eating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's a, there's a big difference between emotional eating and intuitive eating. And I think people get the two mixed a lot. Definitely. Okay. So we're talking about sports and moving on from athletics and how you ate differently. You're not as hungry. So what I struggled with a lot, and I actually don't really up open up about this really ever on my platform is that we not only eat for our sport, but we train for our sport. And so lifting for our sport. And I actually am a very, um, muscly gal. And so the more muscly I, gal. <laughs> no, I don't want to say like, bull, I don't want to say the words that like, you know, could hurt someone's feelings, but I gain muscle fast. And so in lacrosse, I lifted a lot. So then after I quit lacrosse, I joined a sorority where everyone is very, very skinny and I didn't have that body type. And so I thought I had to lose the muscle weight to be able to fit in. And so I really struggled a lot with my body image, um, performing for the sport. And I feel like you kind of, you know, relate to this too. You talk a lot about it. What advice would you give to those girls as well, trying to fit in a stereotypical body type. Don't try to fit in yeah. to any sort of body type. That would be my yeah. advice. You know, like I think I've really spent some time thinking about why does we want to look a certain way? Who's telling us that? And really like that was a journey I had to go on for myself. You know, who said that this is the standard? This is what we're supposed to look like. Um, and, and why do I have to do that? And also yeah. like, what am I, who am I seeking that from? And obviously like if we date this back, you know, a lot of the beauty standard is, you know, thin white girls and it's not inclusive. It's not practical. It's not attainable for a lot of people. Um, and so I think really at the end of the day, I decided that I'm going to be the only person that can validate and approve myself and my body. And I'm not going to look for that in a type on the scale, um, comparing to a friend. I also think another component of that is like, even being athletic, I don't believe has a body type because I mean, you've had teammates who don't have six packs. They don't, they don't maybe yeah. look as cut as someone else. It doesn't show on them the way it does other people. So I think when we tell ourselves, oh, I have to be either super muscular so I can pass as athlete body type, or I have to be super skinny to pass as this. It's like, you know, I think that's where we're going to get caught up and we're never going to be happy. I agree. Uh, it does stem from my high school coach telling me I'm always like too little and I need to bulk up. And then, you know, a lot of people in, in society tell you how you need to look. Mm -hmm. And obviously that is not never um, good. But let's go back into, you know, your college career, because I don't know if a lot of people know this about you. You're a walk on. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a lot of mental strength to be a walk on. But at the same time, you are a starter. You are like one of the best on the USC team. So how did you go through your college career knowing like, 
okay, every day is almost like an opportunity, but a chance at the same time. You know, at the start of it, it was tough because I looked around and thought, you know, there's other girls here on full ride scholarships and that's not me. Like, you know, you're in practice thinking, well, they're being paid to, to show up and be on this yeah. team and I'm not. That's the hardest part. Yeah. I feel like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was on a lesser scholarship, but that you was were hard. still on like half scholarship. So it's like me. I'm like, okay, I would take a dime to my, <laughs> I would be kind of, that would be very hard on my brain. Oh yeah. It, it is really hard on your brain, especially when you have all that. I already had like kind of imposter syndrome. I was dealing with performance anxiety. So I already had those thoughts of I'm not good enough. And on top of it, I had the evidence of, you know, you're not on scholarship. And it was tough. But what I really started to understand, and I tell this to walk-ons whenever they DM me, whenever I meet them, is something no one can take away from you is that every single day you're showing up is a choice. Like you made a choice to show up at 6 a.m. to go and do the hard stuff. Like no one's making you do it. There's no contract making you do it. You made the decision. And so like my senior year, I was like, no one can take that from me. And few people can say that they did it too. Crazy. It's so crazy. And let's back up here also. How we met is college. <laughs> when you were a freshman, I was a senior. Uh, if you follow both of us, you probably know this story already. But <laughs> we were in this broadcast class. And I'm not kidding you, you guys. I was a senior and I never fucking raised my hand once. And Victoria <laughs> comes in this class, freshman, second day. This girl's hand goes so <laughs> high in the air. And I'm like, who is this girl? Oh my goodness. And I know. I was like, looking so back. Confident. I'm like such a loser. I had like no field awareness. That oh my God. Oh my God. It was, I would never, ever, yeah. ever say loser. I would say confidence. Right. I was like, holy hell, this girl's going to be a star. From the moment <laughs> you raised your hand, you were going to be a star. Seriously, in my mind. And then we got paired up for this group project and you yeah. crushed it. Yeah, that's how we got to meet really is working together in that project. And the hand story is interesting. And I want to kind of jump into that because I know it's like a small moment, but I think it has big meaning. And what I mean by that is... You know, I've always been someone to go first, raise my hand, answer the question, take the risk. And it has ended up, you know, leading me to a lot of opportunities in life. Like, you know, I got the opportunity to ask Kobe Bryant a question and connect with him. And that came from my professor saying, uh, he goes, I need a volunteer. That was it. And I was just the first one to raise my hand. He goes, you could ask Kobe Bryant a question next week. And everyone in the class was like, (gasps) Like, I would have raised my hand, like, you know, and so that's... But they didn't know what it was. Exactly. So it was just kind of like, exactly, we had no contact. He just goes, he walks in, start a lecture. I need a volunteer. Um, And whoever raises their hand first gets to do it. I think something like that. Um, So I always think of that moment. And then I also um, had the incredible opportunity to be mentored by Nicole Davis, USC alum, Olympian. And she led our team through like a mindset exercise. And she stood at the front of the room. I'll never forget this. This was such a defining moment for me. She said, who wants to go first for something? And I didn't raise my hand because I was having social anxiety. I was like, my teammates think I'm annoying. Like it was one of those days where I was just like, you know, I'm so self-conscious about people thought of me on my team. So I didn't raise my hand. And then I remember like four or five people in, finally it's my turn. I go up and she's like, before, you know, she's doing the same thing with everyone else. And then with me, she goes, Victoria, why didn't you raise your hand when yeah. I asked who wanted to go first? Because she knew me well at that point. Yeah. And I was like, I was like so caught off guard in front of the whole team. And I literally go, oh, because I thought it would be annoying. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I was like, I've been participating a lot. Like, Trust me, I did want to raise yeah, my hand I was first. like, I was participating a lot. I didn't want to be annoying. And, and she said to me, so in that moment, you were not 100% yourself. Whoa. Yeah. And I just was like, yep. You know, and You're she was right. like, in that moment, you chose like, the opinions of others over living authentically and being who you are. Wow. And so from that moment on, and that happened pre the Kobe opportunity. So it's like, it's just wild. But 
I know I'm like making this huge story about this ham no. race thing, but the moral of the story is like always be yourself. It doesn't matter if people think you're annoying or, or whatever the thing is. Like live a hundred percent to you and the people that respect that and see the light in you, they're going to stick around. A hundred percent. And that's not a, a small little story too. I think the small little things have such a huge impact on other people. That's a great example because the first day you raise your hand, I have always remembered it. What's like, what is it? Seven <laughs> years true. later. And I don't even remember that. No, yeah. I, I really remember that. So never forget like small opening the door or any small little thing mm-hmm. to help another person can actually really help as well. And I want to go back to what you just said. Um, something about always being yourself. Yesterday on your Instagram stories, I'm such a stalker, you said something about never being one click away from someone unfollowing you. Oh, I said, actually, and this is, you might, I want to know what your thoughts are on this because you kind of have the same experiences as me, but you know how every day on Instagram, we with, you know, kind of significant, significant platforms and insights, thousands of people are unfollowing you every day. Thousands have unfollowed you. And, and hate messages. As oh, well. yeah, I get a lot of that's, hate. That's a whole other animal. Okay, if we just stick with the, the unfollowing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, so basically, and obviously there are a lot of people that are following us as well. But I always focus on the negative. I'm like, oh, why do these people unfollow me? Did I post something annoying? Especially if I like post something right away, and then the next day I lose like X amount of followers. I'm like, Damn, it was that what, post. What was it? it wasn't good enough. Yeah, and so that has been really tough on me recently. I interviewed Justin Anderson on my podcast, and he said to me, because he's a hundred percent himself, no filter which I like to think I am, but then I see him and I'm like, ooh. Hey. I'm like, I'm like a little bit below him though. And he said to me, um, I don't, if you are one click away from unfollowing me, I don't even want you to follow me. I and it just made me think about how for a few months now, I think I've been like living to please those people on the cusp of like dropping me or moving on. Yes. And it's like, why am I thinking so intently about how to serve the people that are not even going to be there for me when there's an X amount of people who are going to support me no matter what I post. And those are the people I want to tend to. And so that's what I was talking about. I feel that almost every day. And I feel kind of sad about it sometimes because it's really hard to have a job where it is so focused on your body in the fitness industry. Mm -hmm. My entire career, I feel like, is surrounded by how I look. If I'm bloated that day, then, oh my goodness, why are you leading us through an ab workout? And Honestly, it's a huge, you know, it, it affects my mental health a lot. We've talked about it. And I just admire you so much for being so vulnerable online because it's really hard to do. It yeah. is really hard to do. So have you have had any like hardships with being so vulnerable online? Because you show yesterday. Again, that that was TMI. I can't you even show arm hair. I can't even I tell that. you, my arm hair. I'm embarrassed Same. by it. And I saw that oh on your page, God. though. It made me feel better. And I look at my arm hair. I'm like, damn, well, I need to, like, shave my arms or something. <laughs> and I, I see you, and I'm like, oh, I have bleached my arm hair. I have shaved my arm hair. Yes. I posted that because I was thinking of someone who might also feel self-conscious. But I definitely yes. was nervous. I even went to Max, my boyfriend, you guys. <laughs> and I was like, I'm about to post this. I was like, because this, you know, it's about me, but I'm like, I'm your girlfriend, so... <laughs> I don't know if your friends are going to, like, give you shit for this, but I'm posting my grill arms. Um, and he was totally fine with it. <laughs> I'm dying. But, um, yeah, I just <laughs> – talking about the vulnerability, it's, it is it is obviously tough, but I really don't – and this might sound cheesy – I don't know another way to live at this point. Like, I don't want to yeah. ever – not be who I am. And, you know, when I was filtered and I wasn't honest and I wasn't saying what I wanted to say, that's when I was really struggling with my mental health. Like that was the most miserable time of my life. And so when I decided to make changes and become happier, being who I was unapologetically is what, um, 
you know, was my vow to myself. And I, of course, had those anxious moments where I'm like, are my arms too hairy to post? Or, you know, what do these people think of me here? But I'm never, I'm never doing anything right now where I'm not telling the truth. Like I would say for the past three years, I've never not told the truth online. Maybe I haven't, you know, told 100% of the truth, but I never said I'm happy when I'm not or that this is how I felt when I didn't feel that way. Totally. Um, Going back to Max, I love you guys so much. If you guys don't know, um, Victoria has a boyfriend who is absolutely incredible. How long have you guys been dating now? Oh, like four and a half years. Oh my gosh. And you guys just moved in. I remember when I came to your house and we were doing a podcast. We've done so many things together. And I and I said, I went to Max's house. We like just started dating. And you were like, he's one of the good ones. Oh my God. We <laughs> did a podcast. It, it was, was what your first podcast. It was podcast. my first show that I ended up deleting. Okay. But it was your first <laughs> podcast. And we sat in my sister's room yes. on the carpet and you brought your little mic over. I mean, oh my gosh, my we've done a lot. I know. Wow. We got back, girl. Okay, so Max is freaking awesome and I want to know how your boyfriend deals with your, you know, social anxiety, your mental health and um, you know, past eating disorders because I got a question the other day and it was like, if you started dating, I did like the Q&A thing, it was if you start dating a guy with anxiety or, you know, if I start dating a girl with um, like an eating disorder, is that a deal breaker? And I was like, are you guys, are you guys human? Yeah. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> so explain to me how he helps or. Well, I think the biggest thing is communication and people are always like, oh yeah, yeah, I do that. But do you really tell your partner exactly how you feel. And so with Max, for example, if we're talking about food, I've had to explicitly say to him, please do not comment ever on what I'm eating or what I'm ordering. Like I, I, I don't good, bad. I just don't comment. And so that to me is so much safety because like even last night we were yes. watching a movie and um, we had we had a big dinner. I had had half a rack of ribs and mac and cheese, and <laughs> then like I think like ten minutes after the ribs, I went and I got some pretzels. Like because I am on my own journey with food. Like I yeah. know what I want. Like I'm trusting myself, and and so I think for me, like it brings up past triggers. If someone were to say to me like, "Are you sure you're hungry?" Or sure, it's like yes. I spent many. I spent like a lot of time getting in tune with my body. So you know, it's like even last night I'm thinking in my head wow, like I really haven't stopped eating for the past three hours, but it was, I was hungry. Like I don't feel like I've explained myself, but I also felt so safe in knowing that Max is with me the entire time. And he's not going to say like, you're still hungry or like, and he's, he's full from eating the same thing I ate. Totally. But that to me, like just communicating that is key and they don't know if you don't communicate with them. And I think it can be tough when you're like, oh, you know, my partner does X, Y, Z. Well, did you tell them that that's not helpful for you? Because they might think it's super helpful for them to say, I'm so happy to see you eating. And you're probably thinking, I don't want anyone to just comment and make me self-conscious about that I'm eating. So communication is key. And if you are like, I can't say it, then honestly, I hate to be the like, one to check you a little bit, but then is the relationship that solid? Right. Are you that comfortable with him? I actually just kind of dealt with this recently because I'm in a new relationship Mm -hmm. now and I'm not going to sit here and say I had a serious past eating disorder, but you know, like when he says, you know, we're not going to eat that ice cream tonight because we need to get in shape. And I'm like, excuse me, don't (laughs) fucking tell me what I don't, I can't eat. And so I think, you know, that was just a little bit triggering. And from the moment I told him that, because we're going to go to Hawaii and I was like, and he was like talking about like getting in shape, let's work out every day. Let's do this. I had to sit him down and have an actual serious talk with him. I was like, 
I don't love the way you speak about working out and getting in shape and eating healthier during the week and enjoying treats when we can. No, I'm going to eat what I want mm-hmm. when I want. And right. having someone try to control yes. that is mind-fucking. And he probably thought he was just including you. Oh, my God. And he, he was exactly so motivating exactly. <laughs> They have no idea. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but I'm so glad you said something. And it's even important just to be like, you are welcome to do whatever you want, but don't group me in. I know how my body works at this point yes. in time. Like, I'm a grown woman, so I can navigate that myself. And the communication is key. How did it, how did he handle it? How did it go? Oh, he handled it perfectly. He said, I respect that. I'm so, so sorry. And I'll never talk about it again. And he's been an angel. He meant it in the nicest way. And I really don't mean to like put him down because my family would listen to this and be like, oh, how dare he? No, he was trying to motivate me (laughs) to eat healthier. Oh, and of course I've had, and even like back when Max and I started dating, I mean, you say Max is great. Um, I told him once about like, a food that I had binge ate that like still, I mean, just haunts me this, this food for some reason. It's kind of a joke now though. And he, he made a joke about the food when we like saw it somewhere Yeah. and it wasn't funny when he did it. And I kind of explained to him, like, it's funny when I make the joke, yeah, but it's can. not funny when you do. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so I had similar experience where he thought he was just playing along and I was like, nope. <laughs> and they think they're being nice and they think right. they're helping and motivating. And, and sometimes I, I go back and forth on it because sometimes I do need a little kick in. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't be eating chocolate cake every freaking night and I, you gotta stay you know a little bit less on the alcohol Katie well, but I, there's a good balance yeah I would say you could eat chocolate cake every night if it felt good <laughs> yeah. for you but it doesn't It doesn't. You, I guess it doesn't feel good you know yeah, no okay so <laughs> I wanna know I know you're dating Max now and you guys are uh, amazingly happily almost married basically um, <laughs> do you have any bad dating stories can I take a second to think oh totally okay let me think um, and she thinks I'm actually gonna have this bagel cause it's been staring <laughs> I know. at the wait can I make on. mine too I'm yeah, thinking like, I'm like, it's about your dating stories. Your I was dating wondering life, if you were going to eat them. Like, anything, because we're talking kind of also about like how um, I, in the beginning of your relationship with Max, like anything you can think of. Um, are you thinking more like literally like a cute, charming story, oh, or God, like no, honey. do you want like the, the want deep the tea? tea. <laughs> I want the dirt. Okay. Um, I just have like a few things I learned from like you know past relationships or guys that like were I I don't I do want to say toxic it's so funny how when you think back on it you're like this was so toxic but then when you're talking about it you're like it wasn't that bad and I'm like it's bad I would just say like a few things that uh that I've learned if you are at all suspecting he's cheated he's cheated (laughs) god can you please tell that to my 21 year old self no like if it's even are you like like, and I just think back on, I got cheated on by a high school boyfriend and I'm like, uh, I can't believe I was so dumb to think like, oh, they slept in the same bed, but like, didn't on. Dude, I remember one time it's when so I was embarrassing. dating, yeah, I was dating that guy for like four and a half years and basically I went out to a bar and the girl said to me, oh, I'm so sorry that I hooked up with your boyfriend. I called my boyfriend and I said, did you hook up with her? And he said no. And I stayed with him for another two years. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? You believe everything they say. Oh my God. And mine was, it's literally so funny how I think back on it. I'm like, I'm like my, I don't, I don't swear a lot, but I'm like my dumb ass (laughs) thought that they slept in the same bed together. But didn't touch. And didn't touch. Are you kidding? And I wasn't told about it. And I had to find out like there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just so funny because that's just an example of like, you know, my my relationship advice for people who are in relationships is like, they're always, if, if you're suspecting, it's happening. Yeah. And if you see the red flag, drop them. Yeah. Because there's more fish in the sea. Okay. That kind of brings us into um, one of our ending segments. It's called No Filter.
which you love. Love that. Wait, and I'm so, so sad we're at the end. I know, but no, don't worry. We're not yet. Okay. So this one is, I, I have another, a new question for every single guest. And um, your question is, have you ever gone through a friendship breakup? Because I think this is something, we talk about breakups with your significant other, we talk about so many things in dating, but a breakup with a friend is extremely hurtful and even sometimes more hurtful than a real significant other breakup. So have you ever gone through one? Yeah, I would say I've certainly lost friendships that I was really close with those people. It's not a breakup in that there was a big falling out. I am not someone who, like I'm a forgiver. I might like... I don't want to ever go through life having anger, resentment towards or hatred towards someone. But I would say I've had a couple instances and it's recently, you know, I used to hear these conversations and I never really related because you're still in high school or college and you're tight with your squad. But I think like once you get into the real, real world and you all get careers and you all move away, like that's when you really notice who you are close with and who wants to take an interest and ask you what's up and you ask them what's up. And so I would say I've had like, heartbreaking fade outs yes where it's not like a ghost like we're both we we know it's happening and I think you just are on different paths for whatever reason and um I've had that and then I've also had you just it turns out that the friendship doesn't work anymore yeah and And the saddest part it's tough it's really tough I just feel like we're kind of at that age I know you're younger than me but the age of our 20s where everyone is in a different stage of their life Mm -hmm. you can be 27 my age, and you can be single, living your life, getting black out every Friday, or you can also be married with three kids, and you can have an amazing career, or you can be completely lost in your career. Right. So we're in those twenties, and it does. It's like, like you said, it's not as easy as college because you can see them just like walking down the hall or something like that, and so you actually have to put in a lot of effort to know who you want to see. It also depends on how you approach friendships and relationships because. I am a super loyal person to a fault. Like, and I know this is something I need to work on. Like, I've literally gone to therapy, like, help me lower my standards for the relationships (laughs) of people in my life because I have everyone, like, here. And so if it fades out or they don't do blah, 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 like, I am – I guess how how would I describe myself? It's like I have a f- like a handful of people, literally a handful, like five, six, um, who I'm like fiercely loyal to. I love them, ride or die, and then everyone else is like an acquaintance. Like yeah. I don't really have an in between, um, and that's that's a like not a great thing. So I think wait, why is that not a great thing? Well, because I don't think I give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't think I'm as compassionate as I could be. Like I saw a quote the other day on Instagram that said, "If your friend hasn't reached out to you in a long time." show them compassion like the past few months have been really hard and I was like like, that's sweet but I can never do that I'm like I check in on you guys (laughs) why it's been hard for us too I it's so funny because like when I launched the show I only got a handful of people saying like congrats and like being like oh my god this is so cool and not trying to be like it was weird when some of my closest and close friends didn't tell tell me but see that's where like and I feel you on that but what I'm trying to say is like can we be the people who are aware enough and kind enough that we're like, oh, I'm really comfortable in my career. I'm at the top of where I want to be. I'm confident. I have an amazing boyfriend. I understand why she can't text me and say she's happy for me. It takes a lot where she's at. And so that's the part of me that I need to grow more, you know? And so I think it's tough. Like I, I want to be someone who's unconditionally compassionate with others, but at the same time, it's really hard for me to feel that way, even though I can think that way. I actually do relate to that as well. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of us also, our listeners, our <laughs> Austin AF listeners also agree. Okay. Last segment is mood boosting mantra. 
So every guest I asked, what is their mantra? What do they say to themselves either like every week, every day, or just that thing that got you started either in your career or anything? I have so many, but one of them just came to mind. So when you said career, one of my favorite mantras is if you go after everything you want in life, you are going to lose more times than win, but you're going to win more than most people. Wow. Can you say that one more time? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you go after literally everything you want in life, you are going to lose more times than win, but you're going to win more than most people. Love that. And and honest, and I want to add some some I want to add some commentary. It's not about beating others. You know the end says you're going to win more than most people. It's not a competition, but it just shows that the more you go after things in life, the more success you're going to have. And of course you're going to fail more because you're trying more things, but I've always just loved that quote because I'm a big believer in like going for everything and what happens will happen as opposed to I'm only going to give one thing a shot and if it doesn't work like I'm never going to try again. Love that. You just said something. I know I said we're done here, but at the same time, uh, it's not about beating someone and it's not, you know, that quote isn't about competing with others. Like being in the social media world, do you ever feel like you're competing online? Because I know you can, you know, obviously compare yourself a lot, but like, I know we totally agree there's room for every single person, but you know, because you are still new, I say new in the past few years, new in the social media as your career, like what are your thoughts about, you know, the kind of career path you're on with that? I love this question. And I would be lying if I said, you know, I don't have those thoughts because I think we all do. Like literally this morning, I saw someone's video or whatnot and it was awesome. And I thought like, oh, I wish I did that or whatnot. And so I just, I would say those thoughts come because I'm human, but I, I am honest when I'm saying the majority of my thought process is when she succeeds, I am inspired and really trying to take that, that route of there's room for everyone at the top. There's room for everyone to be successful. If she's killing it, good, good for her. Kill it. I'm inspired by that. And now I want to kill it. It doesn't have to be no one can kill it because I want to kill it. And so I would say that's the approach I take. And then also, you know, especially with our careers, like, and with what I do, which really centers around mental health and body image, it's not something like becoming, you know, the best newscaster, like that doesn't involve the lives and emotions of other people. So I always try to remind myself that it's not about what I'm doing is not about numbers, not about competing. Like I'm fostering and building a community of people who I love, who, you know, say that they love me and, and we're all trying to just help each other figure this thing out. So I I always also come down to that of this isn't a game or numbers or things that can be compared. Like what we have here is special. I love that. Um, and that's kind of hard to have that mental transition after you're being an athlete too, because in athletics and sports, it's like always competition, always about beating your opponent. Yeah. But I think I shook that energy like my freshman year, honestly, with a few women who showed me the way you being one of those women who like just gave me answers, gave me help. Wasn't, you know, I think a lot of people, especially in this industry are like, Oh, I'm successful. And I don't want the next girl to be successful. Whereas like, we started out, you had like 200K and I had nothing. And I was like, help me. I'm trying to figure out this content thing. And now, you know, we are both here doing separate things and it hasn't hurt the other. And like, you really yeah. helped me. And then I worked an internship at Entertainment Tonight. And one of the cool. talent um, was just this gorgeous, full of life reporter. And she brought me in, showed me, let me read her lines, mentored me. And it was just this totally different way to relate to women from high school, I thought we were all like in secret competition yeah. with each other. So I think honestly, like once I'd been shown the way by like two, three women when I was 18, I was like, wow, this is so helpful. I want to be like that for others. Yes. So I really, really feel like even graduating college and through college, unless it was on the volleyball court, 
I really don't try to compete with women. <laughs> Love that. And I think that's so important. If you are, you know, a little bit ahead of your career and you can help the next person in line, help them because that person and that woman will help the next person. And I said this quote to you the other day, but um, lighting someone else's candle will not dim yours. And I think it's like the perfect way to put it because yeah. we're not in competition. There is room for everyone. And it's so funny because I was talking to another fitness influencer recently and I always see her online and I always see her doing things and I kind of always get jealous of her. And we have like this almost the same amount of following. We finally get to talking. She's like, you're always doing something. I'm like, you're always doing something. She's like, no, I always am jealous of you. I'm like, no, I'm always jealous of you. And it's so funny how we all think this way. And you know, it's just not worth it on our mental health. And you never know really what someone's going through and no. what their situation is. And I, I think it's just better to have that growth mindset. Like honestly, instead of saying, oh my God, they're succeeding. It's bad for me. It's like when they succeed, I'm inspired. And like, I always try to come back to that, that inspiration in a positive way. And I, on, I honestly believe there is room for everyone at the top. Nowadays, everyone has their own special thing that they do or they talk about or they yes. make it their own. Even at the end of the day, if if you are doing fitness videos and someone else is doing fitness videos, you're Katie Austin. Like you have a personality, you say things, you are you. So regardless of what you're doing and if people are doing it, you have your own spark. And so I think obviously if you're on a sports team, yeah, only one person can play libero. Only one person can do this. Like not <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah, can be yeah. at the top. But I think in life, in I life. really do believe everyone can be at the top. I love that. And I think we should end there because that is a great place to end. Victoria, I love you to absolute death. Love you too. You guys, make sure to check out her podcast as well. It's called Real Pod and she has interviewed how Katie's many Katie's been on it and you need to come on yes. it again. I would Maybe love to. Maybe we can plan like a double launch. I would absolutely yeah. love you. How many guests do you have on your podcast now? Oh gosh, I think we're up to like 78 episodes now. Holy moly. You were moly. episode like, what? No, you were like two. two. You are two. two. <laughs> Wait, what? You are too. I'm so sorry. But still. <laughs> All right. Well, I love you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in to Austin AF, a.k.a. Austin and Friends this week. And I will see you guys next time. Oh, and make sure to subscribe, comment, and do all the things uh, that you do with podcasts and to my YouTube channel. Bye.